welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. I want to come back to our, our series that we've been looking at. This is the third week. We had a, had a different message last week. This is the third week in our series, Faith That Works When Life Doesn't. And we've been uh, looking at the book of James and looking at ways to, to keep our faith in God and our trust in God and our relationship with Him strong, even when we go through difficult stuff. Even when we go through a, a time of crisis, even when we, whether it's a personal crisis or a, a career crisis or a relationship crisis or a, a job, you know, whatever, health crisis, whatever those kinds of things might be, to, so that we can stand strong so that we can stay firmly connected to God and not, you know, how can we have a faith that actually draws us closer to God in times of crisis and not makes us kind of pull away or or draw distant? The first week we talked about the, the message was faith that isn't troubled by troubles. I was looking at the idea of understanding the purpose of going through difficult times and why God allows that. And looking at, you know, if we have that right perspective, if we draw near to God, that we can actually grow stronger, we can develop endurance and and perseverance and those kinds of things. And troubles and challenges can actually make us more mature believers than we are without having gone through some of those things. So we looked at having that great perspective on going through difficult circumstances. Second one, uh, second week, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about faith that makes tough choices easier. And we looked at uh, that whole thing around how trusting in God can help us when it comes to making difficult choices and difficult decisions. And, and it's been really interesting. Like I said, we've been studying through James and James was a, a, a letter that was written to people who were uh, essentially uh, persecuted people. They were people that had been scattered around the country and going through hardship. And, and again and again through James, we read this kind of encouragement that says, you know, you can get through this situation. Your faith can sustain you. Your faith can hold fast whatever you go through. Your faith can endure hardship and even uh, persecution. And he also talks about being able to live a God-honoring life even when it's difficult. One of the things that... Uh, can happen. One of the things that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at something a little bit different to that this morning. We're going to look at, um, because one of the things that can happen when we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling discouraged, and and that's often what happens when we're going through a a crisis or a difficult time, isn't it? It's, It's natural for us to feel an extra level of stress, an extra level of pressure. We can be discouraged. Sometimes, uh, it can bring hurt or anxiety or worry. Sometimes those kind of things can kind of get us to that point where we feel like we're struggling. One of the things that happens when we're kind of in that place of struggle uh, and stress is that we start to look for or start to go back to um, some of our familiar coping mechanisms. We look for things that ease our anxiety or ease our pain. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the times, those coping mechanisms or those strategies uh, only serve to make things worse. How many of us know that when we're going through difficult times, sometimes we kind of go to patterns of behavior or habits that aren't always helpful or productive? Yes? 
All right, I'm glad it's not just me then. <laughs> so James, we're going to look this morning, James gives us some really wise advice about how to not be tempted to go back to some of those familiar sort of patterns of unhealthy or unhelpful behavior, not to go back to some of those typical bad habits or things that we sometimes do to make ourselves feel better when we're stressed. Uh, And so this morning we're going to give you uh, nine counter moves to help us to combat that kind of temptation, to not give in to that kind of temptation, to overcome sin and bad habits. Now, when I say counter moves, I'm not talking about for, for sin and bad habits, I'm not talking about working, how many, working out how many of them we have. It's not about counting, but it's about counteracting. It's about things that we can do that work against those bad habits or work in an opposite direction or, or negate the effects of some of those things in our life. So let's have a look at James chapter 1. So we go, well, this, the message for this week is faith that counters my bad habits. James 1, verse 13 to 16, he says this, says, Remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. So, you know, James, so so we're talking about temptation. James saying, you know, temptation, it's not God who's trying to, to tempt you into doing the wrong thing. Now, it's important to remember when it comes to sin because I think most of us feel at times... Like it's, like it's an almost an impossible thing to overcome temptation, isn't it? It kind of seems like this, this massive thing, but God's Word again and again, and we're going to see as we look through a number of different scriptures this morning and look at what James is saying, that God has not left us powerless when it comes to dealing with temptation. God has not left us weak uh, and unable to combat the things that come and want to distract us or tempt us away from God's way. This is the verse in 1 Corinthians says, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to make sure we put the pause in the right place there. It gives us victory over sin and death, not victory over sin and death through our Lord. Uh, <laughs> Victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I guess we probably understand that it's unlikely, in this lifetime at least, that we're going to become sinless. But what we can do is sin less. We may not be perfectly without sin this side of heaven, but there are things that we can do that actually help to reduce our, our vulnerability to, to sin and to the distractions and to temptations and things that come in our life. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about some of these uh, counter moves and we're going to give you some kind of practical strategies and some tips this morning about how to make ourselves less 
vulnerable to stress because it's one of the things isn't it when when we're under pressure when we're stressed when we're when we're tired when we're not coping well when things aren't going well how how much easier is it in those moments to kind of to to react in some way that we know that we shouldn't or to you know to get angry with our our husband or our wife when they do something silly or you know to to respond to that co-worker with less than our usual grace or you know to be impatient or unkind or things have you noticed that so the first the first counter move the first strategy the first tip that i want to give you is this this morning number one know my default coping strategy what are the things that i tend to go to most commonly when i'm under stress what are, what are the, 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 the behaviours that I sort of find myself falling uh, into most commonly or in those moments when I am under pressure, what are the things that I tend to do? What are the, the things that I, areas where I tend to, to be tempted to sin most commonly? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 talks about this, this idea. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. The writer of Hebrews talks about sin as being this thing that just kind of holds us back, that kind of gets us off of the, the path like a, a distraction or something that kind of trips us up or slows us down. And, and often... It's a little bit like that, isn't it? We can talk about sin as being like a distraction. We can talk about sin as being something that uh, shifts our focus away from God. Something that uh, distracts us or takes us away from doing the things we should with the things that are maybe uh, unhealthy or things that we shouldn't do. Now, I don't know what your default coping strategy is. There are a whole bunch of different kinds of things that can be our our kind of go-to thing when we're feeling down or stressed or uh, anxious or worried Uh, for some people it's food it's kind of just we just want to like we just want to eat comfortable food that makes us happy and you know (laughs) I I wrote down this little question um, in my comments for this one is it a sin to eat junk food I sure hope not And, and to be honest, you know, Paul talks about, you know, food just goes in the body and out the body and it's neither here nor there. And when he's talking about food sacrificed to idols, and I think, you know, food is food. It's, it's not right or wrong. Food is just food. But when it's something that we turn to, something that we rely on, something that's our, our go-to kind of coping mechanism to make us feel better when we're sad or when we're worried or when we're anxious, then maybe it's sort of crossing that line into where, you know, this is something that we're going to instead of instead of coming to Jesus. So maybe maybe there's something to do with food that's a, a default coping strategy. Maybe it's alcohol um, or drugs, and and I think I kind of put these two together because it's that same sense of like self-medicating. You know, whether it's to to relax or to to take the edge off or to 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 stop the worry or to to go to sleep and just be able to forget about everything or you know those kinds of things. Maybe that's our go-to. Uh, coping strategy maybe it's uh, sleep uh, maybe it's you know you just you just want to sleep all the time and just not think about stuff maybe it's shopping 
I just want to make you feel, feel, still feel better by buying something new. Um, and, you know, maybe it's uh, binging Netflix, you know, just watching hours and hours of TV. It was really interesting. I was looking at um, some statistics around streaming TV, particularly over last year with COVID. And uh, the number of new subscriptions, according to Netflix, the number of new Netflix subscriptions in the first half of 2020 was more than double the number of new subscriptions in the first half of 2019. There was a whole lot of people that were looking into it. The number of Google searches for streaming services jumped massively. There was over 100% more Google searches for Netflix and over 600% more Google searches for Disney+. Plus. All right? So, so people were going, t- turning to this and going, well, you know, it's COVID and I'm stuck at home, so what am I going to do? I'm just going to binge watch TV. And that's how I'll cope. That's how I'll avoid stressing out or avoid worrying about things. Uh, maybe it's playing video games. Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's something like being over-controlling in your kind of your, your world. Maybe when you th- feel like there are certain things that are out of control or that you have no control over, you start like micromanaging everyone in your family. You know, and you start wanting to control this and control that until this, you know, and, and so that you feel like you've got some kind of sense of control over something because other things feel like they're out of control. Maybe it's withdrawing, withdrawing from your, your spouse or withdrawing from church or withdrawing from your social networks or connections or your friends um, because it's, and that's how you cope with worry or anxiousness. Maybe, it's, maybe uh, one of the things your coping strategy is, is anger. You know, you just, you know, just need to yell at something or hit something or uh, I don't know. You know, there are all kinds of things. And understanding... Um, our, our own tendencies, this is not about looking around at, you know, other people or, you know, not, no elbowing your husband in the ribs or anything like that right now. Uh, <laughs> um, but this is about understanding ourselves uh, because that's the first step to our kind of identifying um, and, and being able to tackle those things and address these things is firstly being able to identify and understand. So that's number one, is to know my default coping mechanism. Number two is to know my emotional triggers. What are the things that actually, what are the, what are the things that I'm feeling, what are the, the things that actually make me more susceptible and more vulnerable to go to that coping mechanism that we just talked about? So my emotional triggers are the things that kind of make you vulnerable. When, when we think about some of those activities or, or some of, when we're trying to, I, I guess, manage or deal with that kind of sin that we might recognise or bad habits that we might recognise in our own life, sometimes it's actually more helpful not to just focus on the thing that we're trying not to do or the, that particular activity or habit, but to actually focus or to think about the, the feelings or the thoughts that are going on inside our, our mind uh, at the time when we're going to those things? What, what are the thoughts, what are the feelings that kind of go that way? Because the Bible talks very clearly about this idea that actions come from feelings and emotions and thoughts. Our, our thought life drives our actions. If you want to change the way you act, you have to change uh, the way that you think. 
one of the most common ways that Satan often gains a, a foothold in our life or in our behavior patterns is through negative emotions. This next verse um, is why the writer of Proverbs uh, says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Our, our emotions often drive the way that we act, because they drive the way that we think. We all know from experience, don't we? We've all, we can probably all think about times when certain uh, uh, we've been in a particular emotional state you know whether it's you know angry or, or sad or or depressed or whatever and, and we can kind of look at that and go well I know that when I feel that way I'm more likely to go to that bad habit when I when I feel uh, anxious or afraid I'm more likely to um, lash out at somebody in anger or, you know, whatever the case might be, or to, to self-medicate with drugs or alcohol, or when I'm uh, sad, I'm more likely to withdraw from people and try to avoid contact and, and those kinds of things. What are, the, what are the emotional kind of triggers? What are the things that, for you, you know that when you're in that state, um, you are more vulnerable to uh, those negative coping strategies. There's a few things on your notes there, you can have a look at those things like being exhausted. When you are, some of us, some of you, some of us, um, when we're tired, when, you know, it's the, the end of a really long week, you've been under pressure, you've been under the pump, you've been working hard, putting in the extra long hours, we know that we're just that little bit more likely to snap at somebody, we're a little bit more likely to be cranky or angry or to speak something unkind maybe it's when you're discouraged or pessimistic maybe it's when you're bored or discontented when you're spiritually dry or empty when you're lonely or disconnected insecure or unsure wounded or hurt resentful when you're sad when you're grieving now, those, those feelings aren't wrong in themselves, but sometimes it's helpful to be aware that they can make us more vulnerable to that kind of temptation that we're talking about. I wonder which ones uh, or that you relate to or that you recognize in yourself and you go, yes, I know that when I'm like this, then I'm not at my best. I know that I don't tend to, to do well in difficult situations when I'm feeling this way. Maybe there's another one that's not on the list. Write it on the list if you think about it, uh, if you think of something that's not there. Um, but understanding my emotional triggers and the things, the thoughts, the, the feelings that tend to make me more vulnerable uh, is a really important step. So that's number two. Number three is to learn my patterns. We all have, uh, and this is a really interesting one, I was, I was kind of preparing this and thinking about this, I'd never really thought about this in this kind of way before, but it's quite true that we all have a unique pattern of temptation. We don't, we don't all kind of wrestle with the same stuff, do we? We all have weak spots and often it's different from those around us in some way. Sometimes there are similarities, sometimes there are, you know, I mean, there's lots of sins that we see, you know, all around us all the time, 
but sometimes there are different kind of things that make us vulnerable or susceptible to sin that, you know, don't affect somebody else in the same way. And it's helpful if we understand what my pattern is, if we can look at our own life and look at the times that we've kind of uh, fallen into that or, or been caught in that sin or, or reacted in whatever way or done a certain thing that we're trying to kind of look at or stop. We've been falling into temptation in a certain way. And if we can see a pattern, that can actually help us because then we can start to look at how do we change that. Proverbs 14 verse 8 says, The prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. It's foolishness to just go, Oh, it'll be all right, I won't do that again. You know, I can just, you know, and then we put ourselves in the same situation, we have the same emotions, we have the same temptation, and we fall into the same thing all over again, despite our best intentions. I'm sure that none of us here can relate to that happening in our lives at all, can we? (laughs) But understanding the the patterns of temptation, the, the, the kind of the things that sort of lead me into that thing, we don't set out usually in the morning going, well, today I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do this sin today. You know, do we? We set out going, well, hopefully you don't anyway. You know, <laughs> hopefully you start off the day going, yes, today's going to be a great day. Today I'm going you know, to pray and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit as He leads me through my job or my work or my activities or my housework or whatever it is that I'm going to do today and I'm going to honour God and, you know, and all those kind of things and I'm going to be praising, I'm going to be happy and you know, I'd, I'd like to think that most of us start our day out that way but things happen. And sometimes there are repetitive things and if we're not aware of them, we tend to make the same mistakes over and over again, don't we? We probably heard that quote that uh, I don't know who says it, I didn't look it up, but you know the one, um, those who don't learn from history are destined to repeat it? Uh, And it's quite true. So there's some questions and you've got a, a list on there about understanding our patterns. So number one, it's understanding uh, when am I the most tempted? Are there particular times of the day when certain things happen? Is it at the end of the day when I'm tired? Is it, you know, at the beginning of the day when I'm woke, just woken up and my brain's not functioning properly yet because I haven't had my coffee or, you know, whatever the kind of, you know, is it, is it a particular day of the week? You know, uh, when, when is it that I'm most tempted? Second question is, where am I the most tempted? Are there places? Uh, are there certain situations? Are there certain kinds of things that tend to, to make me more vulnerable? Number three is the who. Who is with me when I'm most tempted? It doesn't necessarily mean, we, you know, we cut people off, but it's helpful to be aware uh, of who we're spending time with and what kind of influence they have. You can probably see where this is going. Uh, number four is what? Now, this is an interesting one. What temporary benefit do I get if I give in? And often this is kind of what, what sucks us into that kind of stepping over that thing. What is it that um, uh, I use to convince myself 
that it will be helpful or that it would be okay to do this kind of uh, destructive behavior or bad habit or self-defeating kind of thing that I, I do and I recognize as being something I shouldn't do. But usually there's some kind of like short-term benefit or, or thing that comes from those things, isn't there? It's one of the things, uh, if sin wasn't enjoyable or pleasurable, at least in some way, um, then we wouldn't do it. There'd be nothing to entice us into that. You know, whether it's an emotional feeling or whether it's a, a physical pleasure or whether it's some sort of, you know, immediate sort of sense that it solved a problem or whatever it is, whatever it might be, what is that temporary benefit that I get? Now, we know that there's long-term pain that comes from sin, don't we? But sometimes there's that temporary benefit. And the last one is, how do I feel right before I tempted, before I'm tempted? That's coming back to that, you know, what are those kind of things that are going on in my thought life? What are the things that are going on in my emotional life? So once we understand those three things, once we understand our coping strategy, once we understand those emotional um, triggers, once we understand our patterns, then we can do uh, number four, which is plan to avoid those situations. We need to change those patterns, we need to change those things that lead us into the same old patterns, the same old behaviours, the same old things that we've gone to again and again over the years. Think ahead, plan ahead, don't just kind of stumble along hoping for the best and get caught unaware and caught up in the same pattern again and again if you don't need to. Proverbs chapter 4 verses 26 and 27 says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. So he says, it's this idea of, you know, if you're going to mark out a path, you're planning ahead where you're going to walk, aren't you? You don't mark out a path and then walk beside it, usually, unless it's got like wet paint on it still or something. But, you know, normally when you mark out a path, you're going, this is where I'm going to walk. So he says, think about it, plan it, mark out a straight path for your feet and then stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Avoid those kind of risky situations as much as you can. If you know that you have, you, you know, if you're trying to eat healthier food and you know that, you know, every time that uh, food truck comes around at work and you don't, you didn't bring anything um, you get tempted by all those pies and donuts and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, if, if you know that that's your tendency to, to buy junk food when you're at work, plan ahead. Get some stuff that, you know, uh, ask your wife to help you. Or, no, uh, or you could, I don't know, depending on your relationship. Um, <laughs> but, but pack some stuff, pack some healthy stuff so that you've got it there and you, you can eat and you're not starving hungry when that food truck with all its delicious smells rolls past. Um, there, so there, there are things that we can do. Maybe there are things in your life that you can do to start kind of changing those patterns or, or getting, removing some of those temptations before you even get to it. Maybe there's some subscriptions that you need to cancel. Maybe there's some ways that you could schedule your, your week or your social activities or your time so that you, know, you, you control uh, who gets uh, the opportunity to speak into your life the most. Maybe there are, uh, you know, maybe there are certain people in your life that you know that kind of 
drag you into some of those behaviors. Maybe you need to think ahead, some, some, you know, plan some excuses of what you might say when they wanted to come and you know, say, hey, let's go you know, wherever, do this. Now, so, so planning ahead. Now, obviously, we all know that you cannot plan for every eventuality. You can plan some things, you can do some things that helps to reduce uh, our risk or reduce our vulnerability, but there'll always be situations that come up that we didn't expect and couldn't plan for, isn't there? And so it's those situations that we need some emergency tactics. We need to come up with some emergency tactics. So uh, number five is emergency tactic number one. Number five is ask God for help. That seems really simple, doesn't it? How often do we forget to do that <laughs> in the moment in the situation you know and then we come to church and the pastor's up the front saying you know you can just ask for God for help when you're in those situations you go oh yeah should, why didn't I think of that <laughs> uh, Colin Buchanan our kids used to love uh, Colin Buchanan he would sing all kinds of kids songs and he sang a kids song um, called uh, oh, I can't remember what it was called but it was all about um, arrow prayers and he says you know if you need to you know, if you're in a situation, you don't have much time to pray. We don't, because we know when we're in those situations, we don't always have, you know, 15 minutes to stop and have a prayer meeting, do we? You know, sometimes you need to just, and he says, you can just shoot up God an arrow prayer. You know, it's just like, God help me. You know, simple as that. Prayers don't have to be long and eloquent and flowing. They don't have to have a certain prose or, you know, diamic pentameter or, you know, it doesn't have to be poetry, it just has to come from your heart. I have no idea whether that was the right word or not that I used, but if you're into poetry, don't crucify me later, all right? Uh, <laughs> um, psalm 50 verse uh, 15 is, uh, uh, Psalm 50 is a psalm of a guy called Asaph, and essentially it's like this prophetic message that he brought to the people from God. And in verse 15, this is, so this is kind of speaking with God's voice here. So this is God speaking to us. He says, you can call, oh, then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. And God says again and again in his word, he says, if you need me, I'm faithful. Call on me. I will be there. I will answer your prayer. I will meet you in your time of need. Why would God help me? We've been talking a little bit about this this morning. We've been talking about our identity as sons and daughters. But God promises to help us because He understands our weaknesses. God understands the, the temptations and the things that we go through. He can relate to how we're feeling. He understands how we're wired. He understands our, our default coping strategies and our emotional triggers and our patterns of behavior even better than we ever could. But we also have a God who has been tempted in the same ways that we have. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 15 and 16 says, uh, it's talking about Jesus, says this high priest of ours, who is Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Jesus struggled with the same issues and the same things that you're struggling with and you're dealing with. He faced the same temptations that you face. Did Jesus ever struggle with loneliness? Yes. 
Did he struggle with tiredness? Did he struggle with discouragement? Was he tempted to worry? Was he tempted to get angry? Or was he tempted to be prideful? Was he tempted to to use his power selfishly? Yes, he was. We read about that stuff, you know, when we read about that encounter with Jesus and Satan in the wilderness and we read about some of the things, but, but Hebrews has just told us that, you know, he experienced all the same temptations and things and he can relate to what you're going through. So ask God for help. Number six, is to refocus my attention on something else. Sometimes what we want to do when we're faced with a temptation is we want to conquer it. We want to resist it. Sometimes it's like almost the, well, other than giving into it, is, is like the next worst thing that we can do. I want to explain that a little bit more. Sometimes when we try to conquer or confront that temptation, we actually increase our likelihood of giving into it. It's a little bit like if, um, uh, it's like if, I always come back to the food thing. I must have a food thing because that's always the illustrations that I think of, all right? It's like if I'm trying to eat healthy, I don't sit there and stare at a packet of donuts saying, I must eat healthy, I must resist, I must not eat these donuts, I must not drink this Coke, you know, and I sit there and I tell it and again and again and again, and what's going to happen? And I start to, my, my, my weakness starts to come through and my resolve and my determination starts to fade. I'm like, well, maybe I'll just have half of one. <laughs> you know, and then before too long, it's like, I better leave one for someone else. <laughs> um, sometimes it's that, what, what we actually need to do is, is not get that stuff in the face, to, to shift our focus and attention onto something else. So we're focusing on enjoying some healthy food, we're thinking less about the food that we're not eating, aren't we? Sometimes a really important strategy and a helpful strategy is to refocus my attention onto something else. Instead of thinking about what I'm not doing, I start getting busy doing something else that is healthy and is productive and is useful and is taking me in the right direction and building good habits and if I'm busy and I'm focused doing that I have less time to think about the other stuff if you struggle with alcohol don't buy a carton of beer and put it in the fridge and tell yourself that you're only going to drink one that's silly that's not smart (laughs) don't buy it you know buy something else find something else that you enjoy um you know or whatever uh and uh and do it romans chapter 12 talks about this this principle and he says don't let evil conquer you but conquer evil by doing good doesn't say conquer evil by standing firm and by resisting it or by rebuking it or by praying against it. He says conquer evil by doing good. And this is the principle of replacement. If we get busy doing the right stuff, we don't have any time uh, or attention to do the wrong stuff. The more that we focus and think about the stuff that we're not doing... Remember what we said before, our actions follow our thoughts. The more time, the more attention, the more focus we put on the wrong stuff, even if we're focusing on trying not to do it, we end up weakening. We end up, uh, our resolve weakens and, you know, our actions follow our thoughts. And so I want to challenge you, what are you giving attention to? 
Where, where do your thoughts dwell? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive our thoughts, we choose what we focus on and what dominates our thinking. Now, you and I both know that we cannot stop every negative thought from popping into our head, can we? Sometimes we can have the best intentions, we can be focusing on the right stuff and this thought will just pop into our head from somewhere else. Um, but here's the thing, this is, this is a, I've got a great quote for you from Martin Luther, all right, the great reformer, he said this, he says, you can't keep birds from flying over your head but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. You can't keep them from flying. Birds are going to fly overhead and thoughts are going to come into your mind. But you know what you don't have to do? You don't have to dwell on it. You don't have to receive it. You can reject it. Just like, you know, you're shooing away those birds, you can say, no, I'm not going to entertain that thought. I'm not going to keep that thought. I'm not going to go over and over that thought. I'm going to focus my attention on something else. So refocusing our attention. Uh, number seven, join a small group. We're better together. Here's the thing, you, you are not equipped to fight every battle by yourself. We are called and designed, the Word of God talks about this, we talk about it here in church all the time, we are better together, we are able to to live as Christians as we encourage each other, as we build each other up, as we pray for each other. You are not equipped to fight every battle by yourself. Now you say, well, I don't need a small group, you know, isn't church enough? My church is great. I'm not belittling the importance of coming together and meeting to worship, to hear amazing sermons and, um, you know, to pray and, and all those kind of things. But there are things that, that are difficult. Have a look in, this is probably a, fam a familiar verse from Hebrews that talks about meeting together. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. And we often use that verse to talk about the importance of coming to church on Sunday morning, don't we? But I want to suggest that the writer of Hebrews is talking about more than just coming to a worship service. And the reason that I say that is because he talks about the importance of encouraging one another. That's you encouraging someone and you being encouraged by someone else. Do you know what the thing about church on Sunday morning, as good as it is, is that it's too easy for you to slip in during the first song and slip out during the last song. And never really connect with another person. And often, I, I see that happening a lot. And I see people who do, they come in, and I know that they do it deliberately for whatever reason, because it happens again and again and again. <laughs> and and you know who? You, like you've probably seen it too. And you, maybe you've done it before. I don't know. Particularly those of you who, you know, are, are not as socially interactive and don't enjoy social interaction as much or, or particularly when you're going through a difficult or stressful or worrying or anxious time. 
there's this temptation to just kind of, you know, come to church, slip in, leave during the last song. You don't really have to talk to anybody. You can pat yourself on the back because you've been to church and you've done the spiritual thing, but you've not been encouraged or encouraged anybody else. There's not been a lot of interaction. Small groups are, are great because you're missed when you're not there. There's more opportunity to actually talk and encourage and pray uh, about the things that are going on in your life. When you're here at church, you don't get a lot of opportunities necessarily during the service part, which is why we put coffee on and have comfy chairs and encourage you to stay around at the end of church because sometimes that's the opportunity to actually talk to someone. Okay. I won't labour on that too much. You know, that's one of my things. I'm passionate about that. That's all right. Two more things. Number eight, we're getting close. Enlist one friend to share my struggle. You need someone in your life that you can be honest with. You need someone that you know shares your values. You need someone that you know will pray with you and not judge you. You know, someone that can encourage you from the Word of God. But you need someone too that will actually ask you how you're going sometimes. Someone that you open up to about the areas where you're finding stuff difficult. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 and 10 says, Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. It helps to have someone to talk about stuff with. If the enemy can do one thing to keep you captive to sin, it is to convince you to keep it to yourself, to keep it secret and not tell anyone. If you are serious about, def- about overcoming temptation, if you are serious about changing behaviour patterns, you need to talk to somebody else about it it's the, this whole like accountability thing you need someone that will will check up and see how you're going galatians have i got galatians i do six two says by helping each other with your troubles you truly obey the law of christ what does god say uh was the the greatest commandment that summed up all the laws love god with all your heart soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself this is essentially this is kind of what Uh, Paul is writing in Galatians saying this is a way that we love each other is by helping each other with your troubles. And last point is this, remember that God is on my side. Sometimes when we're talking about this kind, we're talking about temptation, when we're talking about sin, there, there are some of us who have that kind of mindset that isn't a God is for me, God is cheering me on, but you know, if I mess up, God will be angry with me. If I mess up, then God will, will, will push me away. But the Word of God says that He is for you. We sang it this morning, He is for you, He is not against you. He, is, he wants you to win, He wants you to overcome this temptation, He wants you to be free uh, and, and to, to live in that kind of freedom. Even better, He wants to help you in every situation. But here's the, here's the great encouragement. God is actually ready and waiting to help you deal 
with the temptation, with the problems that you are dealing with right now. He's not just kind of sitting back and going, oh, well, let's see how, you know, let's see, see how he does this time. You know, let's see how she copes with, with uh, let's see how she copes with this one, you know. He's like, oh, you know, I, 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 I wish I could get in there. You know, I, I want to get in there. I, I want to help. I want to, you know, wanna, oh, I wish he'd just kind of let me in this time. I wish he'd, you know, give me permission to come in and, and help and move and act. We don't, we don't often think about God that way, do we? Sometimes I, th- I think we should. 1 Corinthians 10, the last two scriptures. 1 Corinthians 10 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. God has already planned a way for you to get out of that situation. God has already planned a way for you to deal with that temptation. God has already planned a way for you to be victorious, to to stand strong, to stand firm, to to make the God-honoring choice and not give in to that temptation. And lastly, James 1, we shared this a a few weeks ago. James 1 verse 12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. This is is kind of like the, the finish line for us. This is the... The, the prize at the end of the race for us. This is what we're working towards. This is what we're running towards. We're not just kind of running aimlessly, but we run with the prize in mind. We run with that eternal life, with that reward for patient endurance. And God promises, He says, if you will, if you will, if you will draw near, if you will call on my strength, if you will stand firm and learn how to endure, learn how to recognize those things and change those patterns of behavior so that in those times of stress, we're not going to those unhelpful kind of uh, counterproductive kind of things that make us feel better for a moment but don't really change anything. He says, if you draw near to me, if you'll draw on my strength, if you'll commit your way and trust in me, then I'll give you strength and I'll carry you through. And there's this great, great promise a reward for those who trust in Him. I hope this has been helpful to you this morning. I know that there's a lot of stuff there and I encourage you to take those notes home and, and go over that, think about that stuff, talk about some stuff with the Holy Spirit and pray over stuff and, and, and begin to allow Him to identify some stuff and some ways that you can begin to make some changes to, to change those patterns of behavior. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You for your word we thank you that you are with us in every situation god you are faithful and you are for us and lord we just pray that as we go as we think about these things as we um as we read and as we ask you to identify different areas in our life where we might be struggling father i pray that you would just give us wisdom we thank you that you have promised that and you've made that available for us Father, we thank you that you can relate to the areas that we're going through. 
And Lord, when we come to you and we ask for your help, that you rejoice even just in that. Lord, you rejoice when we desire to, to live in a way that honors you. Lord, we thank you that you are patient and gracious towards us when we don't get it right. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to get up again, to tackle it again, to not give in or be defeated by things, even though we might have fallen a hundred times. Lord, that you would give us the courage and the boldness and the determination to get up and to change, to, to, to get up and to face things differently than we have in the past. We just pray for your help and, uh, and ask that you would speak to us over this next uh, week in particular in this area. Give us wisdom, God, and, and, and show us uh, what you want us to see, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.